Galatians 3, verses 26 through to chapter 4, verse 7. Thanks. Oh, jeepers. There you go, Dylan. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. And you are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father said. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us, who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. This is the word of God for us today. Grab a seat. Thank you. I want you to imagine with me that you're at a dining table, but it's not your usual one. Imagine yourself transported to a very different era, a very different time where the hustle and the bustle of modern life has faded away and it's not 2024 AD and people aren't plonking their phones on the table, it's 64 AD. And at this table, the ambience is not one of rush, but it's more one of leisure, where time seems to stretch. It seems to allow for meaningful connection heartfelt conversations. It's a slower table. The meal that you are eating before you is simple, but it is satisfying. It's fish that have been caught from the nearby waters. It's bread that has been freshly baked and it's aromatic herbs as a side salad adorning the table. Mm -mm -mm. The soundtrack, the soundtrack is the laughter of a few of the children playing outside and the buzz of conversation between those who are sitting at the table. Can you picture it? And as you look around, you see faces that are familiar and you see faces that are unfamiliar. Each of these faces has a unique story to tell. There's the man of high standing in the village. His demeanor is reflecting years of wisdom and of experience. And beside him sits a woman who, despite her past as the village outcast, now exudes a sense of belonging and acceptance as she sits there. And across from them, talking with them, is a traveler from a distinctive, with a distinctive accent who is sharing tales from a distant land, captivating the attention of those who are listening. 
It's not just the diversity of backgrounds that's catching your eyes as you look at these guys. It's the sense of camaraderie and unity that pervades the atmosphere. Something special is going on here. Here at this table, social hierarchies are dissolving. Barriers are crumbling as individuals from all walks of life are coming together in fellowship. You scan more of the faces around the table. The story is the same. It's a scene that seems straight out of a very familiar narrative. It's reminiscent of a certain supper only three decades earlier that everyone around this table keeps seeming to refer to where a radical rabbi had dined with tax collectors, with fishermen and with sinners alike. This isn't any gathering around a table. This is a gathering of the early church. A community who are bound together, not just by that meal, not just by some hospitality, but by something incredibly deeper. It is a shared faith, a shared hope, and a shared love together. In that rabbi, that that meal is marked off. The one that they call Christ. And as an elderly man at the end of the table gets up with a carafe of wine and starts filling cups, you can't help but wonder, what is the story about this extraordinary moment I find myself in? And so as the elderly man passes a full wine cup to you, you ask him as you receive the cup, sorry, what, what is this all about? What is going on here? With a gentle smile, the elder sits down. He sips his own wine. He clears his throat. He leans in and he begins to recount the tale of Abraham, the patriarch of God's family. Blessed by God to be a blessing to others, he was. And he tells of the heights of promise and he tells of the depths of the slavery in Egypt. He tells of the story of God's faithfulness unfolding throughout the generations and he tells the stories of Israel squandering their best, being exiled, and even when God went silent for four centuries. But then, God didn't stay silent. God arrived, he's arrived as Jesus, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit was given on Pentecost and poured out upon the believers. And here we are sitting here because this man Paul arrived in our village and he started this together for us. This gathering, these people who are sharing all they have, loving with one another, being together, embodying the promise of what's going on. We are ears to the kingdom. We are children of God. We are united in Christ. And as you look at those faces around that table, you realize that now they are all looking back at you. The conversation has ended. And by the light of the candle, warm faces, looking, searching, wondering, do you want to be in this family with us? These people are children of God and they would like a new brother or a new sister. And that, that is what it's like to have maybe sat in that scripture we just heard. That is what it's like to have sat in a place where people who shouldn't have been together were together. Where people who should be in other places were found around a meal with, a bread, with bread and wine and the same story and the same whanau.
That is what it might have been like to have been in that church that night. Scott McKnight says this, the church God wants is one brimming with difference. And here's what I think we can see as we think about Galatians there. The picture I've sketched for you there, the the opener, is like the origin seed of the church that was a family. And it was different people who were finding true belonging with each other and that they had discovered that they were all children of the same father. We talked about this last week. And not only was it a place of belonging, it was also a place of a family business. They did the work of making more spaces for people so that they too could experience the same thing. It was a family of belonging and it was a family of business. Today, I wanna look at how we too can go about being that kind of picture of family. Now, last week, we explored the concept of familyfication. If you weren't here, I would just love you to listen to the podcast. The podcast is up. Please tune in, get caught up. I don't want to go back and kind of recover that. Last week was last week. But I do want to show you this quote that we landed on last Sunday from the author, Joseph Hallerman. Now, Joseph Hallerman wrote the book, When the Church Was a Family. It's a book we've been giving our circle leaders for years. Every circle leader has received this book and said, this is the vision for what you are trying to do. There are a couple of copies left on the resource table over there for sale today. If you wanna grab that, it's just a koha, 25 bucks to cover the cost of it. If you are interested by this guy and what he's saying. But all that to say, let's read the quote. Conversion to Christ involves both our justification and our familyfication. Now that's what we've called this series, that's what we've called this month. This month of discovering what it is to be whanau, what it is to become family. Uh, you could use the word whanaunatanga if you wanted to use that word instead. It's a very similar concept. We gain a new father and a new set of brothers and sisters when we respond to the gospel. Personal salvation is a community creating event. We said this last week. There's no such thing as doing this as a lone wolf. Salvation is not entry into give this a go the best that you can by yourself. It is a community creating event. Now this quote emphasizes not only that salvation is for ourselves, but also that there is an incorporation involved into God's family as we heard from Dylan's reading this morning. We're invited into being part of this family as children of God together. And it's a profound truth that transcends just theological thought. It's an invitation into a reality that will shape our identity, it will inform our relationships, it will literally change the entire gravity of our lives if we will let it. So consider for a moment the implications of your salvation. That's actually what I'm going after a little bit here this morning. We've sung about that. We're probably here because of that. We'd all say, yeah, I, I follow Jesus. I'm saved. I'm, 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 I'm in for that. Well, what I'm asking you is, well, then what does that actually mean? Because if all you think it means is that you've got some sort of ticket to something when everything's finished, you're missing out on the fullness of the story. There's a story that says, actually, no, it begins here and now in this place. And one of the ways that plays out is in your family vacation. You become part of a new family. 
I decided to try and put Joseph Hellerman's uh, quote into a diagram. Diagrams always make things easier to understand. And uh, here's my attempt at it. We are justified in that we become right with God. That's justification. But justification becomes the actual insertion point into the new family of God, as we talked about last week. Again, go back to the podcast. So through Christ, we are justified. We're not just forgiven people who remain the outcasts or the slaves or the other, but we are fully accepted into a new reality as sons and as daughters. Adoption, as the scripture said today. Did you hear that word in Dylan's reading? We have been adopted. I think adopted is a really important word because most of us don't know what it's like to be in this family. We will experience what it is to go through a process of entry. And it's not based upon our worthiness or our merit, but solely upon grace and upon God's love for each of us. It's the only way in. As John 1, as 1 John reminds us, we love, why? Because he... (laughs) You're like, don't really know. We love because he first loved us. We love, we worship, we we give God our worth and our glory as we have this morning in worship. Not as a way of hopefully putting the right sort of slots in the machine, hoping that this is going to work. We do it because he has first already loved us. It is response. It is return. And it doesn't stop there. Because we are then called to experience life, not just in this justified way of being right with God, but in family. We become members of the church, this divine community of love, like a family household. It's a place to belong with others. Here you are sitting shoulder to shoulder with people this morning, who some of you wouldn't have spent time with this week, but here you are, here you are. It's the church. This journey of faith is not a solitary one, it's communal. And it's in this walking with others that we will experience mutual support, encouragement, we'll experience accountability, we'll experience care. Just as a family shares in each other's joys, by the way, did you all hear that Ella and Mike had their baby on Friday? Hope you heard that, Ella. We will also experience people's sorrows. There are people in this church who are at funerals in the last 10 days. Okay, that's what it is to be in family. We're going to walk all of that all the time. We are called to walk alongside one another, bearing each other's burdens, lifting each other up continuously in prayer. We get active together. We do the family work. And we do it for the world around us. But what does it actually mean to truly belong to this family? It means finding that there is a place for you. There's a place of acceptance and belonging. There's there's this place where you are loved and you are valued for who you are in Christ, not for what you do. We leave our name badges of what we do at the door. And we are all brothers and sisters together. But it also means we embrace the family business our role in God's redemptive story being played out here in this world through this community and into our neighborhoods. 
We become the people, as we sang about, who live into the mission that God is reconciling all things. That's the family motto that could be put above the crest. God's reconciling all things. So we too are joining in. To be in this family means belonging with others and doing the family business in this cyclical journey. Becoming known and giving that away. Becoming loved, giving that away. Healing up, giving that away. Around and around we go. Becoming more like Jesus, giving it away. We could simplify this and carve it right down to this, the idea of family to the first century listener, those people around that table in 64 AD, when they said family, they immediately thought that there was a family of a place of belonging, that's where you found your validation, and a place of doing the family business. This is where we do some stuff. It's the both and. And so today, I want to just hone in on a couple of ideas from this just for a few more minutes. Firstly, idea number one, everyone has an invitation to God's new family and a place to belong, everybody. I want to remind you of a couple of important scriptures that we must never, ever, ever forget. Story number one, scripture number one. Jesus tells a story of two sons, two sons who were with their dad. And one son thought, I'm had up with this, I'm done. I wish you were dead, dad. I do not want any more to do with you. Give me my inheritance, I'm out of here. Because that's when you ask for an inheritance is when someone's dead, right? So he asks for his inheritance, he disappears, he squanders the whole thing. And upon the squandering, he enters the depths of despair as he realizes he's done a terrible thing. He thinks, I will go back, I will talk to my dad, and I'll ask him if I can become a slave amongst the pigs, which is a terrible, terrible, terrible lowering of the bar for him in regards to the things of society and so on and so on and so on. But anyway, we don't have time to unpack this and exegete this today. I'm just trying to tell you the story and remind you. He goes home. And what does it say? It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he picks up his robe and he runs, which again is a non, no, no, no society thing again. He is almost shaming himself in response of joy that his son is walking down the road. And his son starts thinking through all of these excuses. I, I, I need to be able to tell him what I, I need. And he just runs up and he starts holding a party for him. He puts a ring on his finger. He welcomes him into the party. And the other brother who sees this all happening gets a little bit indignant about it. I've been doing the right thing for you, dad. I have been doing the right thing. I've been ticking all the right boxes. I've been showing up while he disappeared. What does the father say to that son? Son. Everything I always had is yours. But your brother is home. We must celebrate. We must celebrate. That story is gospel story. It's a good story. Story number two I want to remind you of. Jesus told this parable of the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God is like a banquet. It's this big, lush, laid out table full of great food. And he invited a bunch of people to come and the people that he invited said, nah, we've got something better to do. So he says, well, go out and tell all the poor to come. Tell all those who are hungry to come. Tell those who would not be able to sit at this table that they can come, they are welcome to come to my table. Go and tell it in the highways and the byways. You invite everyone till my table's full. The kingdom of God is like a banquet. 
where everyone is invited, but not everyone wants to come. It's another good news. It's another good story. The kingdom of God is laid out like a banquet. Reminder number three, our reading today from St. Paul in Galatians, from St. Um, no, I won't, I won't put Saint in front. Oh, can I put Saint in front? Yeah, maybe Dylan. Saint Dylan's got a nice ring, you know. <laughs> Our reading from Saint Paul in Galatians by Saint Dylan. I like that. For there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor master, male nor female. There is no dividing walls amongst us. You can just go there and look at it again yourself in Galatians 3. Why? Because divisive walls have been torn down. There is no hurdle to get over, no barrier in the way. God has made a banquet for all to come and to enjoy life around. All are invited. You are invited. Maybe you've never heard that. And I'm telling you, trying to tell that to you today. I've, I've prepped this all week to tell you, you are invited to the banquet that God is putting out before us. You are welcome to come and eat here in this farm home. The second thing I'd like you to think about, idea number two. For a first century follower of Jesus, being in the family meant being in the family business. They did not separate that idea. Now, we showed you a slide earlier which said, if you're new here, grab a block of chocolate, grab a Bible, except sorry, we're actually out of Bibles at the moment. People have been taking those too hard. We need to actually get that restocked. We, we have this like, if you're arriving, here's your welcome. Here's things at the door. Make yourself at home. Grab the chocolate. You are so welcome. Scan the QR code. We'd love to meet you. That's the welcome. Then on the other side of the slide, it said belong. And it said practice formation. Do mission. Give. Serve. And people have said to me, how come belong's got all these actions? I thought belonging means I just get to be here. No, 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 no. A first century follower of Jesus did not separate belonging from business. They were tied together. You were in this unit, the societal unit of your family, and your unit had a business. It had a way of being in the world. And you were raised up in that business. You were raised up to do it. You were raised up to be passed it on to, and you were raised to carry it on. If you're a fisherman, you were going to keep on fishing. There was a business nature to being in family. Again, the Italian mafia kind of ideas spring to mind, like this is what the family does. I'm not going to do my terrible impersonation I did last week. I listened to that on the podcast. It was terrible. But being in a family means you do have to do some things. And we have to kind of reconcile that because some of us have got this narrative that says it's all about belonging, baby, and I don't have to do a thing. We have to push back on that idea and realize to be in family is you're going to have to do some stuff. You're going to have to participate and be vulnerable and show up. It's going to cost you being seen. You're going to have to be amongst this with us. Being in a, and if you're visiting from another church today, I'm blessing you to go back to your church with that. Go and be back in your community, seen, participating, available, wanting to participate, leaning in. So, the family business, what is it? It's this. God is making all things new. God is restoring all things. God is putting all things back together. God is in the work of new creation. That's the big banner above the household. Behold, says John in Revelation. God, says Jesus. Anyway, don't worry. God is making all things new. 
So what is this family about? What am I asking you to lean into today? I'm asking you to lean into the family work, which is this. Our God is making all things new. That's what we lean into. That's what we go forward. We lean into it for ourselves. God is wanting to make us new personally in us. He wants to fix those wonky little bits of character traits we have. He wants to give us the new things of His Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. He wants to birth good things in us that are new and taste good to those around us. He wants to put new things into this church. He wants to put new things into this community. He wants to put new things into this as a group of people. And the journey that's been walked for eight years, well, what's the year number nine going to have in it? Because we're walking it, leaning into a God who's making all things new. Who knows? But let's go. And he wants to do it for our city, the beloved Tamaki Makoto. He wants to make things new in the neighborhood you live in, the workplace you're spending your time in, the people that you're rubbing shoulders with all week long. He wants to make things new amongst those people. And so sanctification, which is a theological word that says, hey, you are doing work here being made like Jesus. So salvation is entry, sanctification is the work. I'm becoming more like Jesus. All of us are being sanctified every day as our character's getting formed and our loves are being reshaped and our weird desires are being put into the right direction. Sanctification means you are taking God making all things new seriously in your life. Mission means you are taking God seriously at making things in the city right or in the neighborhood right or in your workplace right. So the family business is this work of sanctification and mission. It's those two things put together. That's who we want to be. And oh man, don't you just desire that if a church didn't say that out loud, it's like, why am I even here? I don't know about you, but I desire that. It's like, man, if this church is not actually going to be leaning into those spaces, I don't know what this is actually all for. But I'm here to say that this is what we are for. The family business is God's making all things new. That means we are going to take our lives seriously, sanctification, and we're going to take mission seriously, our neighborhoods and our our places that we are all week long. That is the family business. Amen? You're looking at me a bit stunned. Have I gone a bit hard? You're like, I don't know about this. You started with this really romantic thing for like five minutes. It was all poetic, and now you're like kind of yelling at me. (laughs) Like, seriously, like... What I'm trying to say here is that if we don't do that, I don't really want to do this. I don't. Because that is the task of the church. That's the work of the family. We're not here just to entertain or just to make a space that's like, yeah, that was really, I got fed. It's like, no, we are here to become a whanau who's going about the family business. And this is the family business. Amen. All right, I'm going to stop yelling. I'm parking my Pentecostal preacher. Everybody gets to play in this family. This is my third idea, my last one. I'm bringing this thing into land here. Everyone gets to play. You know those moments in a family, maybe, maybe you haven't experienced this, maybe you've experienced it in other spaces other than your actual uh, biological family. Maybe it's been on the marae, or maybe it's been in a certain workplace or at school. But you know those moments when it's like, everybody at hand. <laughs> there are dishes that need doing, there are things that need putting in the fridge. The table needs clearing. Like, it's like those moments where it's like, and if you're the one sitting down, it's kind of awkward because it's like, I need a job. <laughs> I'm, I'm being left out right now. You know those moments of being at hand? I mean, think about it just for a second. Aren't those the moments of deepest connection? 
Aren't those the moments when you truly feel you belong? Aren't those the moments when you've moved from just being a spectator to like, I'm part of this? I think it's a little bit of a funny catch-22. Connection and community seems to happen more around the table and in the kitchen and in the hallway than it does by just sitting in some seats watching TV together. Or to use church as a metaphor. I think connection happens a lot more than just sitting in these rows when we start to do life together properly and we get involved in each other's lives and we show up to tables together and we find a job to do together and we greet each other and find out each other's names and we do this thing shoulder to shoulder. I don't know, is that ringing true? There's something about connection that is tied to getting involved, being part of something. So I'm here to say this today. You're part of a redemptive family. That's what Central Vineyard is trying to be. So what's your job? What's your job? Maybe your job is to be a youth leader. We would love that. Maybe, Chris is like, amen. (laughs) You can talk to Chris. We would love that. But you know what is also part of being a redemptive family? Maybe your job is to go build a business. Build a business that makes a difference in the city. Maybe, maybe your job in this redemptive family is to open your home up and invite people around your table and host a circle and lead some people towards Jesus. Maybe. Maybe your job in this redemptive family is to dig deeper into your medical profession and keep leaning into uh, doing good work in the medical field of Aotearoa. Maybe your job in this family is to pick up the guitar, to get alongside Donald and Julia, who did a fantastic job this morning. Thank you guys for leading us so beautifully. But maybe your job is to dust off the drumsticks. Maybe your job is to, is to go, I used to, I used to give that thing a go once and I know how to use a capo and play three chords. I can be a Christian worship leader. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch, sorry, that one stung a little bit. Maybe, maybe your job in this redemptive family is to pick up your paintbrush or your welding rig and sculpt something or paint something that gets put up on display in the streets. I'm not going to specify what your job is. We have some options that we would love some help with and some people to participate with us. What I'm trying to say is the redemptive family plays a part in what God's doing in the city. And so do what's on the surface for you that needs doing. And lean in and do some of it with us that needs doing and lean out and do some of it in the city that needs doing. But here's the thing, the point I'm trying to make is that if you want to belong in a family more, you need to find something to do. Because as I said before, the best connection happens in the kitchen or in the hallways or cleaning up and putting stuff in the bin afterwards together. That's where connection is truest. And so I've had a couple of conversations this week, literally where I've heard that coming out of people as we've talked. They've said, it's a bit of a catch-22, but it's like, as I leaned in to serve, I connected more. And so I'm just offering that today to say, we have to make friends with this thing of belonging and believing, sorry, belonging and business tied together. Belonging and business tied together. I'm doing something because I belong. And I'm belonging, so I do something. 
It's a beautiful thing. And so to close, I want to close today by calling you to a reflection. And I want to um, offer that you can take your phone out and maybe take a photo of these questions. Or if you've been taking notes in a notebook, why don't you just quickly jot these down? But these are some questions that I would like us to reflect on. And I'm throwing the ball to you now. I would love you to reflect on them. I'm just going to lay them out quickly, just so you know what I'm saying here. Number one, what does it mean to you to belong in God's family? Like, what does it actually mean? What word comes to mind? If we were brainstorming this right now, and I had a big whiteboard, and I gave you some post-it notes, and I said, write one word, one word of what it means to you to belong in God's family, what would that word be? Just what would it be? I haven't even thought about it. Oh, now's a chance to think about it. Question number two. How can you actively participate in the family business? Remember what I just said before? How can you participate in the family business? The work of God making all things new. How does that look for you? Oh, we're suddenly talking vocational language here. We're suddenly talking about purpose here. We're starting to talk about calling here. That's a really big question. May it haunt you for days. Seriously, may it. Who wants to go around aimless? Not me. May you have a sense of a burning bush as you think about that question. Question number three. How can we, as a whanau, support and encourage one another? How can we do this together? Where are the gaps you know what breaks my heart? What breaks my heart is when people say, oh, I came to Central Vineyard for a while, but I just didn't get seen. I didn't feel involved. I just disappeared again. Oh man, how are we going to change that story, guys? How are we going to change that story? And I'm not asking you to try harder and just do a bunch of stuff frantically. I'm saying, how are we going to change that story? How do we become people who encourage each other more, lean in more as a fano? What could it look like? Question number four, what do you need here in this family? Do you know what you need? Do you know what you're looking for here? Do you know what you're actually desiring? Name it. It's okay. Don't keep it tucked away. Have it. Own it. Bring it to the light. Question number five, what can you offer to this family? We spoke about this last week. Go back and listen to it if you missed it. But we talked about how one of the marks of an early family in the early Mediterranean culture was that they shared their stuff together. What does it look like for you to share your stuff if you're open-handed? What does it look like to share your resources or your your, um, knowledge of things or your expertise of things? What does it look like to share that and to pass it around? And then lastly, last question, my last one. What are your next steps? It's all good to think about these great theories. We love that, don't we? I've done a lot of thinking about that for 10 years. Ooh, that one was a bit close again, wasn't it? But what are the next steps? What do we actually need to do? What do we need to do? What does it look like to practice being in family together? I want to do something for the next five minutes. That will be brave for some of you. It will be easy for some of you. Extroverts, pipe down, chill out, all right? 
Introverts, I see you. I get you. I wonder if in the room right now, there are people who might like to just uh, to say, here's, here's one really, really quick answer. Now, I'm not asking you to, to take a long time here. I'm just saying one word or two words. But I just wonder if, if you might just at leisure in the next couple of minutes stand and say, my name is, here's my quick answer. Here's my thing I'd put on the brainstorm. Can we do that? So stand, say my name is, and then tell us your word or your idea really quickly. <laughs> it's like therapy, isn't it, Rebecca? I'm an introvert. <laughs> Rebecca, thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> Who else? Just stand, say your name. Let us, let us know it. Jill is saying, I can't hear. Um, I've got this really long wire. I don't know if we're going to make it work, but can we try? Okay, I'll see what I can do. Who else wants to stand and say something? L big voice, please, Josh. I think I'll be okay there. Thanks. Us. Quick words, one word, doesn't matter. Big voice, please, Jesse. Thank you. A couple more, let's go. Let's keep going. Uh, Big voice, Cam. Yeah, what's in your hand? You're giving it to him. Oh, Cam, it's beautiful, man. That's all it takes. 
Someone in the back, come on, someone in the back, big voice. Beautiful. Can I get some wahine? Come on, where are you guys? Hello, I'm Deborah. Deborah, thank you. <laughs> Beautiful. Hello, Holly. Turn up. Beautiful. Couple more. Let's take a couple more. This is good. I was fine at saying that suddenly puts like a ceiling on it, doesn't it? <laughs> I've just shot myself in the foot there. <laughs> There's only going to be a couple more, and people are like, I don't want to be there. Last couple takes it from someone else. <laughs> Jill. Big voice, Jill. Xander. All right, we'll park there because I don't think we can top that entrance. That was <laughs> the sermon will be memorable because of Xander's entrance. I have a benediction for you today, and as Jesse has just said, I, I would invite you to join us at the prayer meeting tomorrow night, community hall, 7:30 p.m. If you can make it, we'd love to have you there as we pray together. But my benediction today is simply this. We are all God's children, so never, ever forget everyone is invited and everyone gets to play their part in this family. Amen? And that, that's Galatians 3, 26 through to 4, verse 7. That is the undercurrent of that text. All have been welcomed and everyone gets to play. So let's get on with doing the family business together. This redemptive work. Now, we can practice by putting the hall back together. <laughs> True story. Because the person who was on set up today has got COVID. So we're turning up, to use Holly's phrase. And if you have got nothing planned in about 10 minutes time, and you just want to help us to put stuff away, we, put this, we set this up every week, we put it down every week. But if you could help us, the chairs will need to be put back out for school tomorrow morning. Our sound gear needs to be packed away. And the reason I say this as a way of saying, hey, we could practice this, is because when we first planted this church, for the first 18 months of being a community, as we grew from being like 40 people through to just over 100 people, we had no roster. We didn't have a roster as a church. 
There was no planning centre. Do you know how expensive planning centre is? It's appalling. We were just a family who just got on with stuff together. And for those of you who were there, some of you were there, Dave was there. We used to have this van and it used to be parked beside the door and everyone used to just sort of pitch in about 10 minutes after church was kind of actually finished and everyone started to finish talking and we used to load all the gear into the van and we used to put stuff back and then we used to put the signs away and it just used to keep happening week after week after week. I think, I think that's what family does. And so I'm saying that not to say, hey, let's fill the roster. I'm saying that to say, let's turn our hearts towards being family. And in being family, there'll be a bunch of great little things that we get to contribute to and do, just like the marae, when people are showing up and they're peeling potatoes, but there's great community around the peeling of potatoes. What if that was what church felt like for us? What if? What if? So, as we finish today, children need to be collected from their kids' program. So if you are a parent, please go and collect your child. But if, the, if you'd like to help us in about 10 minutes' time, we're going to pack this place up. And it'll be so good to have some helping hands as we do. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon of Sabbath and rest. Enjoy the presence of God with you. We, we sincerely hope that as you've been with us today, you've experienced the presence of God in our worship and in what we've done today. As you've come to the table, as you've heard some scripture, as you've heard this teaching, it's, hope, it's a hope that you are encouraged and you walk out of there to go and be salt and light in a city that desperately needs it. And that is to be the church, the Fano in this redemptive story of what God's doing. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon.